Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call G-Team Mechanical at 765-376-3042 or visit gteamhvac.com. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance. This is Trackside with Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee, brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice in home comfort, on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. J.R. Hildebrand with a huge throng of fans on their feet, fist pumping, caps waving, he comes out of turn number three. Here he comes, the National Guard machine with J.R. Hildebrand down along the white line. He is sputtering slow, and he hits the wall. He hits the wall, coming out of four. Will he have enough to cross the yard of bricks? Here comes, here comes J.R. Hildebrand. He will cross in front of the flag stand with the checkered flag waving the right side of the car destroyed. He finishes the race with the damaged race car. Who will win? Who is the winner? Weldon. Of the Indian Dan Weldon. Weldon. Dan Weldon has won the race as Weldon gets past J.R. Hildebrand as Hildebrand hits the wall coming off of turn number four. The white flag is out. Takuma Sato, the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan driver, now pulling up on the leader. Dario Franchini, will he make the move? No, he'll crash in turn number one. Jake Query, Sato crashes, trying to make the pass for the lead on the final lap of the race. Dario Franchini got through that, and Takuma Sato did not. 197 laps completed at the line. Three wide. Munoz on the outside. Kanan on the inside. Who will make the pass? Miss Stick. It's going to be Kanan. Jake Query, TK, out in front on lap 197 at the Speedway. Kanan was going all or nothing and restart, and he gets all. There's a yellow, and it's because of one of the target cars on the south end of the track. Can't tell yet whether it's Scott Dixon or Dario Franchini, but either way, a call against the south end of the track, and that may mean that Tony Kanan may have broken through. It will be, Jake Query, one of the most popular wins that we have seen in many, many years here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Tony Kanan is going to win the 500-mile race. Hunter Ray looking for number one. Elio Castronavis looking for win number four. Ryan Hunter Ray, eight car lengths in front as they move in the back stretch for the final time. Did Elio make the move? Three laps too early. Does he have anything at all left in the tank? A couple of turns to go. Ryan Hunter Ray leads it in the Turn number 800 is upon us. Less than a car length is the difference. The final turn. Hunter Ray to call the finish. The voice of the 500, Paul Page. And it is Ryan Hunter Ray that is going to lead Elio Castroneves across the line. Ryan Hunter Ray has his first Indianapolis 500-mile race win. Elio Castroneves will have to wait for another year. We are halfway through race week, working our way towards the 107th Indianapolis 500. More highlights from, uh, oh, a decade or so ago, courtesy of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network, where you, well, really, you can just stay here the rest of the week. They've been running some of those 560s again, I've heard, on the way in. We need to get a note of that next year ahead of time. I would have promoted that, but driving into the track last weekend, I heard some of those. Those are awesome. I'm sure those will run again over the weekend. Uh, And then all-day coverage 
here and also on 93 WIBC on Sunday morning. But lots of stuff over the weekend, too. And, of course, NBC is your home if you're listening to us somewhere else. Peacock has coverage as well. Local blackout in place, so watch Channel 13 WTHR on Sunday night for the 500 as well. And don't forget the two-hour Peacock bonus coverage uh, at 9 a.m. on uh, Sunday morning as well. We've got coverage of Carb Day, uh, the parade is going to air on Peacock, and I think still the Victory Banquet airs locally on Channel 13 and also on Peacock. But check your local listings for all of that. Hello and welcome. It's Trackside 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Eddie Garrison is in studio. I'm Kevin Lee. Kurt Cavan is here. And Kurt, we are almost there. It, it's really difficult to believe. It feels like, uh, you know, it was a long time ago, and yet it just in theory, kind of started just a few days ago. So this process of setting the field for the 107th running and watching them practice and kind of getting everything prepared for the race itself. Yeah, it uh, start to finish. We're almost there. And and uh, the excitement is building. You can see it in the community. Uh, today, The there was some community activities for the drivers. And as we prepare for, for uh, tomorrow and then media day tomorrow and then then Friday Carb Day, it's going to be fun. I will admit I miss Community Day at the track, and and we were fortunate enough that our kids were little when that was still an option. But I think there are some uh, real benefits to the way it's done now because you're taking the Indy 500 to people that otherwise might not be exposed to it. When you think about using everyone's limited time available, I think that makes a lot of sense. I saw all kinds of pictures on social media I saw Jack Harvey and maybe it was Santino were at the grade school that I went to that I haven't been in for many, many years. West Lake over on the west side, right off of Rockville Road. I honestly, it's back in the neighborhood. I had no idea it was even still open. So glad to see it. The gym still looked the same, but it's, uh, it, it's, I would imagine for a kid, they may not follow this, but when they understand, they probably still know the Indy 500. And to see a real race car driver up close is pretty neat. I guess I'm stuck on the fact you didn't know your elementary school was still there. You don't live that far from it. What? Well, pay attention, Kevin. Come you on. You would know this school was um, odd. You would never pass this school unless you were going to the school. It's at the end of a dead end. It's um, back behind a, a very quiet neighborhood. But that's it. You would never ever pass by that, and you wouldn't see it in any any fashion. And I will say I don't spend a lot of time stalking grade school, so there you go. I feel like <laughs> that's, that's probably a good thing. Probably well said on your part, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's probably not good. But yeah, by the way, at the speedway all day today, and you can already start to see some of the some of the shapes and sounds of of the 500 starting to come to life. So you know when you start hearing sound checks and and things of that nature, you know we got scared to pieces earlier. Uh, based on a sound check that it sounded like a jet was coming over, you forget, you know, how loud these this thing is because the the attendance on race day, all the people in the in the grandstands kind of absorb some of the sound, and so when it's not mm-hmm. there, it really reverberates off the grandstands. It's a different experience to be sure. So anyway, so I've noticed look- that I've, I've noticed that before walking in. And hearing the PA, you know, the PA starts going at whatever time the track opens and thinking, yeah, sometimes that's me or it used to be me. We're going to need to turn that down a little bit because I'm annoyed 
by anyone being that loud, but that's the way it is. Uh, if if there aren't people in there to kind of absorb that sound, uh, there is news today. You know, this question came up last night about getting a chance to get on track, and I didn't know that we would see that since both drivers had been on track and there have been different circumstances before with a replacement driver, but the two crashed cars will see sort of some track time tomorrow. Explain. So they'll be on track. They'll have 15 minutes of opportunity and that'll be from, I think four, maybe it's 30 minutes, but it's, it's basically at four o'clock tomorrow and they'll have the chance to run some install laps. What that means is they can leave pit box go down pit road, go around the racetrack at a reduced speed. They're not allowed to cross the yard of bricks. They must come to pit road immediately, and they can do that as many times as they want. They just can't uh, They can't take the, the, the flag, so to speak, can't go past the flag stand. they got to come to pit road, and, and that will uh, allow them to check their, you know, check their, you know, pressures and and you know leaks and check those kind of things just make sure the thing's running so so that'll be good for mm-hmm. graham ray hall and and for Catherine leg since those cars were crashed it'll be uh hugely beneficial for graham ray hall because one of the things that he's talked about is for any driver it's the seat fit and then he's dealing with a different type of steering wheel and some different things from the chevy side of things so while he can't test the car and get up to speed, uh, especially after you've done, say, because they can do multiple install laps. So once you've gone out, you've got a little bit of heat in the tires. That third time, he's going to be able to push it. You know, he's not going bit. to he's not going two twenty, but he's at least going one eighty. And I think with that, he's going to be able to tell whether he's potentially comfortable. I'm sure you don't really notice things until you're going 225 with helmet buffeting and things like that, but they could likely catch something that's really glaring. And I think it will also just be an opportunity for him before the other cars out there to push some buttons and remember, okay, this is the push to talk. This is the pit speed limiter. Uh, This is my fuel map. I can work on that there. So that that's big. And and good for Catherine Legg's team too. By the way, who had a fantastic hit on Sports Center? I saw this afternoon as well promoting the race, and you kind of are reminded why Honda said this is a special opportunity and why not everyone is eligible for a seventeenth engine. Um, we wanted someone that we think is going to provide something. And note that you know all the asks are made. They're they're pitching all kinds of drivers, but Sports Center chose the only female they didn't chose the defend choose the defending winner they didn't choose tony Kanan for his last last 500 or anybody else so that's why honda went down down that path yeah that that was a good hit for sure and and you know she's well spoken and and well traveled and in, in motorsports so she has experience to to talk about pros and cons or or at least differences perhaps in the sport and what it means she has some perspective uh, you know, she's not she's not a rookie, so she has kind of a different a different take on things. But you're right. And she was, by the way, involved in a very dramatic situation, which I'm sure helped the help the decision by the producer to uh, to add her to the lineup. Mm, I, I think this was all booked in advance. No, I, I agree. But it, it 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 helps the storytelling. Let's put it that yeah, it way. Does. It does. Maybe they get an extra 45 seconds that yeah. they wouldn't have already gotten to show. Um, you know, unfortunately, that's kind of what it takes to get on sports centers. There has to be some sort of fantastic crash or something really out of the ordinary for outside of the Indy 500. That's the only way 
we're making Sports Center at this point. We've got several news items to get to here today in this first segment. Uh, good to see one of the cars that has been totally blank is not going to be blank. Ryan Hunter Ray has a primary sponsor for Dryer and Reinbold. He does. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't actually have the name it. of it in front of me. Root Root Insurance, an Ohio-based insurance company is going to be joining them. So that's really good for Dennis Reinbold and Dryer and Reinbold uh, on that number 23 car. I'm still excited to see what the number 24 Graham Ray Hall car looks like. And I know they've gone beyond just efforting to get this done. So there's a lot of things happening there. Um, here's one that's interesting. Uh, so full disclosure, as I've said, Jackson is a development driver for Cusick Motorsports, and I've done pretty well at finding partners for his program. And that's kind of how that got started. So we offer combo packages for uh, Don's program as well. But there was a deadline of, I think it was like late February. Maybe it was in March. Maybe it was late March. But it was a long time ago if you wanted a sticker on their car because it was going to be full wrap. This was part of the... um, the detailed preparation that they did. They don't want stickers on the car. At 225, maybe that just adds to the tiniest amount of drag, and they also want it to look perfect. So that was, I, I can't remember if it was a wrap or a paint, but the point being, that scheme has been finalized. Now, it's a different car, so they had to start all over. So that's what makes this process. So I don't know whether they're doing it the same way uh, or if they need to do it a little bit differently, but since it's a different car... They got to start over, so they're redesigning their their scheme, which had a lot of thought into it. Yeah, yeah. The other big news item, of course, is Stefan Wilson, uh, who was injured in that crash, uh, was to have had surgery. I assume it went well. Don't have an update uh, for you, but they needed to stabilize that fracture, and you know it's going to be a little bit of a recovery here for Stefan. And I saw where he is intending to stay in Indianapolis, have that. You know, had that surgery here and and stay in Indianapolis for the recovery time and rehabilitation time, which could take as much as three months, which is you know significant uh, in any way you shape it. But also when you don't live here, you know, it's not like he's a he lives in Colorado, and so he and his wife will be you know have the next three months of their life altered uh, by this. So it's it's not a it's not like, you know, if it happens to you or, you or me or Ed Carpenter, we're right here in town and you go about your normal life, at least sleep in your own bed, but it won't be the case for Stefan. So I think this has to be full disclosure here. This was taped at 345 um, because I bet by the time people are hearing this, there's been an update uh, publicly shared on Stefan Wilson. So you don't need to tweet us on that. Just check your local listings. Check um, the Cusick Motorsports and the Dry and Reinbold social media account or racer.com or indystar.com, and they'll have that update um, on Stefan because I suspect the team will send out something that surgery went well, and we'll get a little more information on that down the road. Uh, how long has it been? This, this seemed to be, as we talk news of the day, that he somehow made it on there every day, either he or the team principal. We have not headlined with Zach Brown or Fernando Alonso related to IndyCar in a little while. I don't have Zach Brown news, but we do have Fernando Alonso news. Did you see this last night? That's only really come from one report. Uh, this came from Matthew J. Thompson, who is a journalist. I don't know with what outlet, freelance journalist that covers Formula One. 
He reported late last night breaking Alonzo planning on staying at least until the end of 2026 with Aston Martin currently in talks with Honda to race the Indy 500 with the Japanese powered car, presumably Andretti Autosport. Wow. That's uh So you missed that one, didn't you? I did miss it. Well, I've got a lot of things going, and you the do. reason we're not absolutely Luckily, running. I've got nothing going on. I'm just hanging out and surfing the internet. That's not true. <laughs> You're uh, you might be busier than I am. So it's uh it's an interesting time for both of us and why we had to start in the afternoon so that we can get our evening uh evening commitments finalized or so completed. with that that came out and then maybe just a little bit later which may or may not be related uh it was announced that honda will return as a factory formula one supplier with aston martin starting in 2026 when f1 introduces new engine regulations so if you remember the story honda announced what a couple of years ago that they pulled out as the work supplier for red bull uh, after they won that first championship was was going to be the end. And then they decided to stay on sort of as a technical partner for both Red Bull and Alpha Tori, but it was TBD what was going to happen. And in part because Red Bull has since found a new is with Andretti if they get a program together, but so far they've not been offered a program. So this is fairly significant news. You had to wonder with the uptick in Formula One popularity and the fact that the Honda Power was really, really good. You had to believe someone else was going to want to work with them. And maybe Honda gets a little more excited because Aston Martin has now moved up to the second or third best team on the grid at this point. And then the next question came uh, at the press conference. Actually, the first question was, yeah, you guys don't like Fernando Alonso. Is he going to be allowed to remain? You remember the comment, GP2 engine? which does seem a bit harsh when you're holding a guy for something he makes in the heat of the moment on the radio, but there is a respect um, and dignity expected when you represent Honda Japan, and that did not go over well at all, and he was persona non grata, and the answer was, yes, we highly respect his uh, abilities as a racing driver. We will let the team to make the decision on that, and if they choose him, we will work with Fernando Alonso. Uh, he's, so that he's still on, leaves some outs. They could just say, hey, uh, we'd like it if you didn't choose him. <laughs> he's also a hell of a race car driver, so with having a pretty good season. So we'll see where that goes. He's welcome uh, here. Well, and that's the other part, that he that he could be here. And I have not looked up. I've not had the moment to look up if Monaco always conflicts with the Indy 500. Isn't it like once every seven years that it does not so I don't know if we have that opportunity next year, year after, or anything like that. But the way it's going with Alonzo, it's um, you know not surprising that he's thinking about staying through 26. And the team said, yeah, we're a long ways from that. We're not really going to get into who is going to be driving our car in uh, 2026 at this point. So here's a good nugget, too. I see other people are starting to, uh, I think I did a screenshot of of this as well. So you've heard my theory on what Marcus Erickson's options might be moving forward. Yep. Not really based on any reporting, just what I think. Some of it's what I think I know, but it's not like I have a source on this. Um, so there's we're getting closer to some sourcing with exactly what I've said. Jenna Fryer tweeted yesterday or the day before. Word on the street is that top two the that two top teams have reached out to Marcus Erickson saying they'll have offers for him when he's allowed to speak to them. 
One of them starts with an A. The other one is already getting a different Ganassi driver. And the first response that popped up there was James Hinchcliffe. What a get that would be for Able Motorsports. <laughs> That's Touché. good. I, That's why. Well, I was also thinking that half the field starts with a AJ Foyt, Arrow McLaren, <laughs> Andretti, and Able Motorsports. Am I missing yep. someone? Well, except the second team that is uh, getting a different Ganassi driver. There's your Errol McLaren, which I said before, and I said that last week, that we think about fourth car, and certainly that could be Felix Rosenquist, but I would uh, keep an eye on Marcus Erickson there. They like shiny things, and an Indy 500 winner who's been a championship leader uh, for much of the last two years is definitely a shiny thing. He is talented. It is a different regime. It is a different program, and he is a different driver when he was there in in 2019. Uh, I still think there's a real good chance he's staying, um, but what this is doing, it's he needs to create a market, and he needed to let it be known there is a market, there is other interest involved, and you know, I, as I said, he listens to the show, and he didn't say you're right or wrong, but he didn't say you're wrong. And he didn't shut anything down, so I'm not his... Um, vehicle for spreading these things i've thrown these out for quite some time and i suspect jenna is just hearing the same thing because people just kind of get things in the paddock so probably well it just depends on if they find enough sponsorship they're trying to find the sponsorship if they do then i think he stays where he's at but there is not a scenario where he's bringing budget to remain in a seat yeah i think that's right so Interesting stuff for for the Indy 500 winner. Uh, There was a really good story today by Jenna Fryer of the Associated Press on A.J. Foyt. I would highly encourage people to take a look at that. And we thought we knew all of his nine lives and two more that I don't believe I've heard where he escaped death as a kid. Um, Out on the water, I don't don't have it in front of me. Do do you recall it off the top of your head? I can probably surmise it. No, I uh, out on the water as a kid, boat yes. turned over, hanging onto the side, yes. three kids, one of them drowned. AJ is the one that survived, one of them that survived. And another time as a kid climbing poles with one other kid and the other kid touches a wire and is electrocuted. That and one I then, didn't know. That one I didn't know. Yeah. And, and then you've got all the other things that have been pretty well documented. And obviously AJ has gone through a lot with uh, losing his wife unexpectedly. And I don't know if we've mentioned this on the show either, but most of you would recognize uh, Ann Fernoro, who has been AJ's public relations specialist for almost 40 years. And now Ann's daughter, Marie, is also working with a program. And I, I told them this directly uh, a month or so ago. This is inside stuff, but they have the best notes leading up to a race weekend that I think I've seen with useful little stories, not stats but almost always something I can use regarding their teams. But unfortunately, uh, Anne lost her husband and Marie's father, and they're all close to the Foyt. So I'm really happy that it's going well on the track for them. Agreed, agreed. And and uh, he was a, a somewhat of a, a local race car hotshot in the, in the Northeast. Big time so, driver, yeah. Yeah. Very, it's, very, uh, very successful. It's unfortunate. Yeah, very unfortunate. Uh, another piece that uh, – oh, and, the, and we were talking about who does the most for winning the 500 
you know, we were kind of talking about the old guard and neglected. Maybe the one that you could argue does more than Graham because he's going to be around for a while. And that's Pato Award, who who might have two countries backing him. Yes, he's from Mexico, but he's lived most of his life in Texas. And he's another one that's got the personality that they can activate with him. If Pato Award wins the Indy 500, you're going to be able to get him in places because he's interesting. He is captivating. He is a personality. He also has his own uh, apparel company, and I read somewhere his his numbers are like 35% higher than any other driver in the sport in terms of his sales of his mer- yeah. merchandise. And he's, he told me the other day he's expanding into more mainstream clothing as well. He picks out all the fabrics and, and the styles, and so that's his business. In fact, I think I told you last night about a story that – that I have on my on IndyCar.com now about the business that a lot of these drivers are in. Uh, I should have mentioned your business. My goodness, you're you're being quite the uh, the sponsor seeker for Junior Formula Racing. So anyway, there's there's a, a story about that, and and you're right. Pato is one of those guys who uh, would really be big for the Indy 500 if he should win it. Good quote in Jenna Fryer's AP story. It's something that Pato told me. <laughs> When we were chatting at Barber, and I didn't really know if this was on or off the record, I still wrestle with that, uh, knowing what's being just said to me. Um, but but Jenna is good at pushing the envelope, and you know she probably goes back and says, "Is it, hey, is it okay if I I use that?" Uh, going back to the Dixon crash from Long Beach, and Pato's quote is, "The dude's been doing this a long, long time. I don't know why he's being such a baby." And Pato said the same thing to me, but I wasn't sure if he was just telling me that. Uh, but it's out there now. So so Jenna used that. It was a really good piece on there as well. And we like that. Pato is one of those guys that's willing to say what's on his mind, and he'll deal with that. So uh, good stuff, and he's one of the really interesting personalities in the sport. So um, I, I wanted to thank real quick some people that – a couple we didn't get on the air. I don't know if we mentioned this or not, but Doug Bowles came out to the Burger Bash on Monday and, you know, I asked Doug a couple of times, you ready to come up? And there were drivers there. He said, no, 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 let the drivers do it. But just his presence there. He's so popular. I'm glad he came. And I'm glad he saw what the Burger Bash was. So you never know. We might have some more opportunities to partner more specifically with IMS next year. Thank you to all the drivers. I, I enjoyed having Connor and Joey out there today. Check out Joey Molinero's sort of parody Delta Force thing. I retweeted that today. Uh, like Paul used to do, maybe just a, a factoid about someone and then just some obscure random Joey kind of thing. So that's on his Twitter, and I I retweeted that. But we had great response from the drivers, and uh, it was awesome. We're counting up uh, the, the money donated to the IU Simon Cancer Center as well. Yeah, it was a, it was a terrific uh, outing as, as usual, and planning is already starting in the works, at least thought process for 2024. So here's a couple of other things still coming up this week. If you're coming in race weekend, there are still some tickets available online, $150. It is uh, ticketed only for tomorrow night, Thursday night at the Silo Auto Club downtown. Uh, just Google Silo Auto Club. I don't remember the exact address. It's just barely north of downtown. This is a cool place. It's where they uh, car collectors store their extra cars. So it's just neat to kind of walk around and see what's there. Some race cars, some cool sports cars, old cars. We're going to have simulators set up. 
for you to drive. There is an open bar. There is high-level food. The Indy 500 winner, Marcus Erickson, is coming by. My uh, NBC buddies, Lee Diffie, James Hinchcliffe, Townsend Bell are going to join me. Um, and Clayton Anderson is going to be performing. We've got some sweet tickets left over that we're going to auction off that you probably get for a discount. Many, many other things tomorrow night. Raceforrp.org. Raceforrp.org. Up at the top, there is a link. You can buy tickets all the way up until, I'd say, 530 tomorrow night because it's instant, and we'll just write your name on the pass. And if your name is there at the door, you can join us starting at 6 until 9. And then Friday, I'm going to do this again. It's very casual. Essentially, it's going to be a tweet-up. I'm going to be there. We always hear people say, I can't get in until race weekend. Well, if you want to go to Raceway Park on Friday night, Jackson is racing at 930 uh, I'm going to do the opening of our show, my portion. You'll be in the studio, but I'll do the first segment at 7 o'clock from the Turn 3 Motorsports tent. That is open. Uh, it's, what, that'd be on the south side, south of the track, beyond Turns 1 and 2, the big parking lot there. Walk down there, the Turn 3 Motorsports area. We'll do a little meet and greet. I'll probably get a couple of drivers to come over, maybe the driver that lives in this house, but we'll mostly just recap Carb Day and get you set for the 500. So Friday night, at 7 o'clock, tickets are on sale for Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. You've got the Hoosier 100 Silver Crown Race at 7.15, then USF 2000 at about 8.15, USF Pro 2000, Jackson Series, the biggest and fastest, the closest thing to an Indy car you will see run at that track. Uh, not not the fastest because all the Silver Crown cars in the Midgets Hall and the Midget Race is at about 10.15 or so. So a big night. Weather looks great. Hope you can join us on Friday night at Raceway Park. Coming up, tell me who you got on the show next, Kurt. Barry Green, the great uh, team owner who really drove what what uh, was a very successful team in, in the 90s, won the Indy 500 in 95. And let's see, I have to think what year Dario won, <laughs> 2007. Uh, so could have been a three-time winner had Paul Tracy been awarded the victory in 2002. So Barry Green will join us. He's got a new book out that he wrote with help from Gordon Kirby. Gordon's going to join us as well. And it's great to have Barry back at the Speedway. That's coming up next. And then we'll see what we missed coming up. Trackside 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Trackside, brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice in home comfort on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Trackside on a Wednesday night. We've got a special guest, somebody who's come off the high seas he's been sailing around the world i'm sure our long lost friend barry green won a couple indianapolis 500s depending on who you ask might have won a third uh barry where the hell you been <laughs> well uh you know i i think back when when the last time i was in indianapolis and it was quite a few years ago yeah i've been busy but look thanks for having me on it's actually great to be back in this city so you've got a new book out and you wrote that with Gordon Kirby, and that's going to be an outstanding read, I'm sure. It's called The Green Flag, Just a Bloke's Story. And I started thinking about all the drivers you've worked with, all the success you've had, the starting of what now is Andretti Autosport really originates from your organization. 
you just had such a racing history. Did you find it difficult to kind of start putting that all on paper? Well, it was, um, you know, just a few years ago, I we sold our sailboat, which was like our second home, and that, that has kept me very, very busy since I did leave Indianapolis. Um, but that led perhaps to a little bit of boredom, boredom, Kurt, uh, <laughs> and um, I started asking myself, you know, uh, where have I been on this journey? And, and I really didn't know because I was all about um, – I was all about tomorrow. I never had much time to look over my shoulder about yesterday. And uh, so I started a lifelong time line on my entire life. And that was uh, quite a lot of fun doing research and figuring out where I'd been and where my family had been. And, and then I started writing bits and pieces based on some of the stories within that timeline. Um, after a lot of writing, I had one big, bloody mess and that's when i called my good friend gordon and said gordon could you please help me i think i want to write a book but i'm in way over my head i was surprised when he said he would help and he applied his magic and lo and behold it started looking like reading like a book which was a big surprise to me yeah you're finally accepting what what uh, gordon and i have known is that we really do work here in the writing business it is, it is work <laughs> i'm glad you finally kind of came to that conclusion so you know you've your time in indycar what 47 wins i don't even remember how many championships a couple of indy 500s as we talked about i would think that's kind of the highlight is that kind of most of the book or do you spend a lot more time back when you were in like formula three and can-am no, we pretty much cover it all. Um, and uh, I, I even I, I go way back to when my parents left England and traveled to Australia, which is quite a story in itself, um, and uh, covered my young days, uh, sailing days as a as a 11, 12-year-old, and then um, uh, go-karts and then Formula Ford and then Formula Three, and then working in 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 Europe, and then working here. Yeah, we touched on it all. I don't think we um, overdid any one particular area, and I think that's where Gordon did a fabulous job on um, sort of divvying it up. and And uh, I think it tells my my life story. So it's yeah. To, to, well, to answer your question, it, it covers my entire life. Good. Barry Green joins us. And by the way, the book will be available at the Indy 500 Memorabilia Show, which is the largest racing memorabilia show in the world. That'll be uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday at the uh, Embassy Suites uh, Event Center in Plainfield. So let me ask you, really, I think the the finding year, at least from my Barry Green observations, is 95 do you really kind of think about that year as you know a championship an Indy 500 really kind of breaking breaking out with Jacques' career is is that the one you kind of gravitate the most or is there something else? Oh no, it has to be. You know, um, yeah, you know, I do ask myself what was my favorite win, um, and that has to be the win. Um, the second one, which was a close second, by the way, was uh, the win that we had with Dario. In Australia, mm. only because my entire family from all over Australia had gotten together there. And, in fact, there is a picture of them, the entire family, in the book, on the podium at that race. So that was very special. But, no, going back to the um, 500 with Jacques, I mean, it was a – we 
he and his manager, Craig, uh, uh, and I laid out a plan on how we had to do it from day one um, in that Jack was, Jacques was pretty inexperienced when we started. And if we look back, I mean, the plan worked perfectly. And yeah. then um, to win that race, uh, even after our penalty, which which I admit was my my mistake, um, uh, um, winning that race and then going on to win the championship, and then to see him go on and, uh, and win the Formula One championship, I mean, it was um, yeah, that was just a great great story. The other one was the the young Paul Tracy in your program, and and I think that's one that that I, I'll be interested to read your take on on Paul and how that that dynamic work with the great great organization that you had. Uh, did I assume the guys that uh, have been involved in this book, or at least are mentioned quite heavily? I mean, you worked with Fabi, Bobby Rahal, Sullivan. I mean, Jock, Dario. I mean, it's just, I assume they've all kind of seen, or at least. They know you're going to do the book. Well, that's where my friend Gordon comes in, uh, Kirk. Um, you know, he reached out to all of them, and because of his name, they responded. And uh, and nearly everyone you mentioned, in fact, I think everyone you did mention there everyone. Has, has, has contributed with an interview Everyone in the book, Al Jr. as well. Um, yep. it really, and, and, and believe me, that was fabulous reading for me because that was all Gordon's work, and, and to see it now laid out in the book, um, it was fantastic. Did you, I assume you, you follow Michael's program. How long did it, after you, you sold out, did you sell, you didn't sell in 03, you sold part of it, I suppose, about that time. You were still involved for a couple more years or at least in name. Maybe that was, that was not as much you as it was Kim Green, but how long did you feel after you sold that you feel like you were still part of something that was racing at IndyCar? Well, um, you know, not for very long. You know, the team was um, pretty much stayed together, uh, yep. apart from me leaving. And um, and Michael and JF came in um, and and got up to speed real quick. Of course, Kim and Kevin were involved, and they knew everything that I knew. And um, so I was was not very involved going forward. They yeah. had me get involved with the promotional company, which has now turned into Kim and Kevin's company, um, and had me go back to uh, St. Pete and uh, help get that uh, rekindled, that race down there, which was a lot of fun. But um, I have to say, um, you know, I kept in touch. Uh, um, I used to go into the workshop, believe it or not, and Michael just welcomed me, which was very nice of him, um, go into the workshop to make parts for my sailboat. <laughs> and so I, I was out there mixing it up with all these guys who had magical skills, welders, machinists, you know, and uh, I was very, very welcome. So, but as far as running the team and, and uh, the management of it, they took over. Uh, Kim and Kevin, of course, still there. So um, it, it went on and it was, it was a perfect uh, situation for both of us. Michael walks in, into a, a well-greased running winning team and I walk away from it without hurting any of my employees because they all had uh, a, good, a good future ahead of them and, and many of those employees were very, very good friends. So it was it really turned out well. Yeah, I think we talk often about football coaches or coaches having a coaching tree 
I mean, the tree that essentially you helped create now has, you know, the, the, the management of these races that Kim and, and, uh, and Kevin run in Toronto and St. Pete and mid Ohio and Portland and the race shop that, that Michael's about to build over in Fishers, Indiana is going to be one of the most fabulous things we've seen in the U S in terms of race shops. Yeah, it's been quite the it's it's like watching your kids grow up in some respect. I mean, you didn't groom them per se, but they've done a nice job taking what you helped start and and they've ran with it. Yeah, no, that's a nice feeling. Having said that, you know, my wife and I panicked over 40,000 square feet, which is what we built. Uh, yeah. In, uh, <laughs> on Zionsville Road there. And they're talking about several hundred thousand feet i mean golly but uh good luck to them it's exciting news for uh motor racing in uh, the u.s i think yeah barry green choices let's bring in uh gordon kirby because he he's been part of this great legacy of of bookmaking at race maker press gordon just talk about maybe the, a little bit about the process and just all the books that are out there that people can get well, uh, where to begin? I uh, <laughs> I met uh, Joe Freeman, who owns Race Vaker Press in Boston, uh, 11 or 12 years ago, and it's been a tremendous pleasure. Joe is uh, a huge enthusiast. Uh, he has a collection of vintage Indy cars, um, and he raced a little bit in his youth in Formula Fords and Formula B cars, and he's accumulated um, uh, an incredible archive of photos, literally over a million photos, from 1895 through today, and we're in the process of digitizing that whole collection. So the archive is a superb resource to us, uh, allows us to really dress up the books and, and make them look the best as possible. And and Joe, you know, really shares no expense in, in making uh, high quality books. So it, it's a great pleasure working with him. I think we've done nine books uh, over the past 10 years uh, together. I've, I've worked with him on a couple of other books a book about Bobby Marshman written by Michael Argent Singer um, and uh, a few other books. And we've got uh, a number more uh, uh, planned. And working with Barry on this one has been uh, a real pleasure. Uh, he has a tremendous recall. He disparages himself a little much. He's, he's quite a good writer. Um, and in terms of editing it, I, I it, it took a fair amount of editing, but not a great deal. I had to, you know, move some things around and reorganize and trim a little bit here and there. But uh, um, uh, he did a great job. It would be nothing but a pleasure working with him. And then going through and talking to all of his drivers and uh, a good number of his engineers and, uh, and and crew guys, you know, it's kind of a walk down memory lane for me and a pleasure rekindling the relationships, uh, which is part of my pleasure in writing these uh, books in general, historic books, Uh there are so many great people I've had the pleasure to work with over the years, and it, it's great to do something, uh, you know, more complete about their lives and careers. And and this yeah. one is a classic Barry's book. Yeah, in this case, you know, it's a it's a period of time that that you've seen as virtually his whole career in terms of U.S. racing. So that that makes it interesting. You know, you did Jim McGee book, which is like that. Penske's Maestro is probably one of my favorite books, and then good, second. Good. To, and second to one, which is about the Indy Indy five hundred yes. runner ups over the years, which is a terrific read. Probably probably the most uh, enlightening book that I've read. So really good stuff. Well, so I'm I'm glad to hear that. That that book I have to say is uh my publisher Joe Freeman, that was his idea. And the trigger of it uh was that he owns 
two of these second-place cars, the 1915 Duesenberg that finished second in the 1916 500, driven by Wilbur Deline, uh, and then a Sparkthorn uh, uh, Little Six that finished second in 1939, driven by Jimmy Snyder. So that was Joe's trigger, and it was a great thing to work with him on it because he's tremendously knowledgeable about the early days. So he rode everybody from the beginning through the uh, 1950s, and I, I took it from there, you know, in an era that I'm familiar with. So it, it was a great piece of teamwork. And I'm glad to see you enjoyed it so much, Kurt. Yeah, yeah, and it's got uh, it's got a Jacques Villeneuve Barry Green touch too because uh, they fit in that category as well. So, yeah. hey, Barry Green, good. Uh, I'm glad Barry, you're back in uh, Indianapolis, and you'll be at the memorabilia show over the weekend. That's great. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, largely in the evening, Thursday and Friday, and then Saturday through the course of the day. Good to hear from you. I'm glad you're here. Will you be at the Indy 500 this weekend? I assume. Yes, sir. And uh, thanks for having us on. It was uh, good, really good to catch up with you again. Very good. And Gordon, we'll see you in the media center this weekend. I'll make it down there to cheer for those Andretti cars, which we can still call uh, Team Green. And <laughs> uh, just just out of uh, defense of you. So appreciate your work. Appreciate you coming on. And thanks for writing the book. We'll be back here in just a few minutes to see what we missed, what we needed to clean up. 93.5-1075, The Fan. Hi, this whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Connor Daly, driver of the number 20 Bitnile Chevrolet for Ed Carpenter Racing, and you're listening to Trackside. It's race week, and that means the USAC Amsoil Sprint Car National Championship this week at Circle City Raceway. Tomorrow night, well, tonight, Rather, the Amsoil Sprint Car National Championship is going on with 410 Sprints and Dirt Car UMP Modifieds. And then tomorrow, it's the USAC Amsoil Sprint Car National Championships with the USAC Midwest Thunder Speed 2 Midgets. Kids 12 and under are free. Military, first responders, vets, seniors, teachers discounted. Circle City Raceway at the Marion County Fairgrounds, circlecityraceway.com. News of the day, Kurt, is... So we've got uh, both a driver for the... Indy 500 pace car, which is Tyrese Halliburton, the point guard, all-star from uh, the Pacers. So he will drive the pace car. And then Adam Driver, and I've been trying to get – he's an actor, and I've been trying to oh, get a, a rate a rating from you know the young people about how great he, he is. He's a big star. You know, I don't get out much, but I bet I've seen five or six things that he's in. He plays Enzo Ferrari in that new movie yes. coming up. And I saw a picture and it looks nothing like Kylo Ren. Uh, Jack Harvey is quite excited uh, yeah. uh, about this. He's a big Star Wars guy, as am I. Not as big as Jack is at this point, but that's cool. That's an A-list celebrity. Yeah, I didn't realize if it was A or A- minus or B-plus no, no. celebrity, He's, but that's big. I think, I mean, everybody, that's the thing. Nobody is a-list to everybody so maybe it's just in my world but in a lot of people's world he is an a-list celebrity so i believe this is a really good get so that's our news of the day and we're yeah. out of time tomorrow night tears i see david land is using tears now we'll I, I don't know that we necessarily originated that but it feels that way and we'll take credit for that so we'll make <laughs> some indy 500 picks and more coming up tomorrow night mike and jake beyond the bricks next